thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hello there, gorgeous listeners. Thank you for listening to Wellness Room Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And yeah, thank you for tuning into another episode of Wellness Room and Radio. Um, I have just got back from lots and lots of travel, um, which has been amazing. You know, Australia's coming back to normal-ish sort of. Um, and Ash, you're back at work now. Yes, um, Vaccine patients again. Yeah. I think that is awesome. I mean, I don't know where those six months went, um, but... I think it's great that you're, you know, back using all your gifts and talents again. Oh, thank you. I think, look, there's a there's an argument for being a, a mum at home. There's so many things that uh, are wonderful, but big part of who I am is also the work that I do. So I think there's a nice balance when I can do mum life and work mum life as well, which is, um, yeah, it's always been an aspiration. It's always something that I've loved, but um, I know when, I, you know, you do school pickups and you chat to mums and some of them are stay-at-home mums and they've got four kids I'm like well yeah fair enough that's that's a full-time job right there (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and like honestly I don't know how you do it I think it's amazing um but you are superwoman Oh, well, look, thank you. But uh, I think Superwoman, I want to know how we can, you know, how Superwomen actually live. I've, I was fascinated. Today's uh, topic is called the Blue Zones. Oh, yeah, nice and... segue. Well done. <laughs> oh, no, 
Kim, you're always so good at like, that transitions how- and segues onto topic. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be chatting about all of this stuff for, you know, the whole episode. <laughs> well, because I love the idea that, you know, um, a large proportion of the super centenarians, which is people who live over 110 years old, um, are women. I'm like, go girls. What do we do differently? What do we have differently that makes us live longer and better? Um, and this idea that, you know, the blue zones was presented in the 90s um, by some researchers looking into which areas of the world had the most people living over 100 years old. Um, and obviously that's been circulating for, well, a couple of decades now and uh, specifically brought to, I guess, pop culture um, by the author Dan Butner and looking at these, you know, hotspots of longevity around the world. And he, you know, got some research grants and some support um, from sort of longevity uh, research groups. And essentially National Geographic Society said, like, amazing, cool, we'll pay you to travel the world and find out. And I'm like, oh, man, why didn't I think of that job? (laughs) (laughs) I know, it sounds like Um, a dream job, right? Yeah, it does. But they were looking for areas where there was high concentrations of individuals that were over 100 years old um, and people who had grown um, up in areas where there was low levels of cardiac disease, of uh, obesity, um, things like cancer, diabetes, like the biggest killers of Western society. Mm-hmm. Um, where in the world do they not experience all this stuff? Because it's really only in the last hundred years that these major lifestyle diseases have caused such um, mortality. And I think they want to know well, is it a matter of turning back the clock? What are the secrets? What's the secrets to, you know, great aging? How do we live longer? How do we live better? And I think there's such great questions to ask. Um, at times, I know we've got good friends that uh, talk a lot about 100-year uh, lifestyle and things like that, ways to, to live well. Um, and I've often been challenged by the idea of the fact that all of the areas that are uh, discussed, which is five major zones. We'll, we'll talk to you about those in a second. Um, they're all in areas that I would call relatively impoverished. And I was like, mm. so how can we have <laughs> impoverished, you know, societies living longer than Western societies with a lot of money, wealth, resources and choices? Um, and that was conflicting for me. So I thought today's episode would just be like, let's have a chat about this and see what it is that makes people live longer and better um, because I want to know too. Yeah, and what is this elixir of youth, well, not necessarily youth, but immortality? And because that's almost what it seems like, right? These people are living far beyond, um, you know, what is what is the norm. Uh, and those five regions um, are Sardinia in Italy, Icaria in Greece, um, the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica, um, Loma, Loma Linda in California, Loma, Loma Linda, sorry, that is a mouthful, in California, which is a community of seven-day Adventists, and then also Okinawa in Japan. And these blue zones areas have um, certainly made us question a lot of what we know about health and wellness and vitality. And it has certainly influenced a lot of work of some of our really dear friends as well. So, you know, our great friend Cal Brock made the longevity movie based on you know, those blue zones, he went and interviewed a whole bunch of people there. And we, you know, learned some really important lessons from that. And um, also our great friend, Damien Christoph, 
completely changed his whole way of being and his dogma around health after going to Ikaria. And it, that's something that they started doing almost this annual yearly pilgrimage to that area to be reinfused with the lessons that they learned from these people. Um, and I thought it's really, it's really great for us to look at what these lessons are, put it into a little bit of context and see how we can maybe um, infuse that into our our daily Western lives. Um, but also, you know, let's just let's just make sure that we're on the right track too. Um, because Ash, before we started recording, you were sort of questioning a little bit of the data. So talk talk me through that. Oh, look, it's um, when you're looking for research and information, it's always nice to try and look through the lens of challenge the, the assumptions, mm. like challenge the assumption that this research 30 years ago is still accurate and valid and makes complete sense. Um, and I came across some, you know, discussions in sort of 2019, 2020, um, gentleman by the name of Mike Roberto, he um, challenged this idea that as time goes on and the decades go on, um, we're now starting to see some of these super centenarians like potentially living to nearly 130 years old and they're saying, well, is that even possible? Or are we actually looking at um, anomalies which relate to the data collection, which relate to the fact that people of that generation um, didn't need or didn't have or were pre-modern um, recording and they don't have birth certificates, marriage certificates or any other form of license or identification that could validate or verify their actual age. So they, they kind of get a ballpark but they don't really know or they might have been told that and they believe that to be true but really they could be a decade or two out. Like it's, it's really interesting to see that mm. that could be a major bias on the research. Um, and I kind of laughed when he, he had this discussion saying like, if you believe that was to be so, and then you were told that, you know, at 60, you got your aged pension, um, wouldn't it be convenient to um, be 60 faster? So you could cash in well, on, your, on your pension. <laughs> you know, like totally. it's it's kind of it's motivation to maybe change the figures or alter the dates that you um, may or may not know to be true. So not accusing people of, yeah. of lying or fraud or cheating intentionally, but just this idea of could we be taking numbers and data from populations? Because all of those regions you described are developing, you know, nations in some ways, um, mm -hmm. or they're isolated populations, or they're remote, regional, rural, um, limited resource. Sources, sort of, except um, for Melinda. Yeah, well, that's um, true. In California, but some, like a, well, yeah, and so that's mm. such a good discussion, right? Because that was a question that you know is asked as well. Is that the only population? But they also have taken populations out of other areas like Utah, um, uh, where. Like high Mormon population? Is Correct. that the secret, maybe? <laughs> Correct. So populations where there's reasonable wealth distribution um, and, you know, faith-based collections. And mm. they also have an average age, I think they said, a, a men at 83. So they're equally comparable. What do they do differently? And mm. let's just take those two, for example, Seventh-day Adventists and Mormons in Utah. And what they actually found was that there's even um, dietary discrepancies. Um, mm. One prefers towards veganism, vegetarianism. The other doesn't. Like just So it was kind of saying, well, hang on, is it religion, food, all of these things? And that's why it's such a nice question to ask. Do blue zones even exist? Yes. Um, and I think that that's such a good point. And I experienced this um, also in India when we were looking after, you know, the pop 
the the communities there and you'd ask um, women, how old are you? And they would say 40, no matter what, it was 40. And I don't think they had any concept of of that specifically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you'd have women who, gosh, look like they were 90 telling you that they were 40 or, you know, the other end of the spectrum because they just it, maybe they just don't conceptualise it the same way that we do. Um, well, it's also um, literacy, very exactly. low literacy rates exactly. in these regions. So, yeah. you know, if you've got illiteracy, then it makes it very challenging to quantify or qualify um, yes. information like written numerics because that's a, you know, something you can't quite grasp so um yeah it's it's a good thing to discuss it made me smile when i was reading the the challenge to the research and the commentary was that okinawa in japan actually has the highest murder rate per capita the worst over 65 dependency ratio the second lowest median income and the lowest median lifespan in all of japan so it's not looking like it's the (laughs) the the golden uh sort of gem of global health the way we've been told it is um but anyway challenges aside i think it's just uh what i've taken away from all of this is that i feel as though there's actually no kind of fountain of youth that this blue zone um Mm -hmm. concept is nice but it's not exactly factual in some ways and it really depends on your application of the information as to whether or not you find it that it's going to introduce longevity or not um so yeah i just thought that was oh damn i know because i feel like some of the lessons that they've learned and the trends that they've picked out um really um support yep totally makes sense but also support certain um certain lifestyle practices like alcohol um but you know when i was sort of getting into this blue zone information i was thinking okay so what is this elixir of immortality is it being gluten-free eating only purely organic what are the biohacking secrets what's you know what is what is the secret sauce and it couldn't be further from any of those things so it's not some you know special workout it's not you know all of these amazing biohacking um you know whatever the latest greatest supplements and everything else are it has nothing to do with that so the way um, that they have sort of broken down the lessons that we can take away from the blue zones and the lifestyle practices, um, they've sort of categorized into um, these things. So connection, movement, the right outlook and eat wisely. And if we dig into those, I think that there are some really amazing lessons from there that you know would be only beneficial for us to start looking at in our life. And um, if we think of the connect one first, What they did find in the blue zone areas is that um, one of of the things that they would do is they'd have rituals around their tribe. Um, They would put their family first or their community first so that there was this idea of loved ones first. Um, They would have usually multiple generations living in close proximity to each other and it really was the village that raises the children as well. Um, There was also this um, commitment to a life partner, which, you know, this is just part of what they found. So we can argue um, pros and cons to that, <laughs> you know, uh, whether or not that is um, contributing to it. Who knows? Oh, well, um, it contributes to the idea that there's a sense of purpose and active service. Yes. You know, and we talk about yes, love languages exactly. and don't those things fall in. So if you think about it, those those um, values are actually mirrored in lots of different teachings in different arenas, which is 
which is exactly yes. what we're talking about and why even if we challenged by the idea that those areas are actually or not blue zones, we don't know, um, the principles of longevity and good life, I think I really do believe in all of the things they've concluded from the research. That's one thing I was like, well, even if I don't necessarily mm. agree about the, the data, I do agree that there are certain principles of living well and staying happy that are going to make life better even if you don't live to 110. <laughs> Exactly. And with that I wouldn't connection, mate, also... Sardinia, just quietly. I'd kind of be happy to move to Sardinia uh, or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't... I haven't looked into what the um, place in Costa Rica looks like, but oh, I reckon Sardinia, Icaria, and any of those. Um, I wouldn't want to live in California, but that's just me. Um, so part of this right tribe lesson is also that, for example, in Okinawa, um, they have this idea that they have five friends that they're committed to each other for life and they see them regularly and they have, you know, that really strong connection and, and it forms their social network. And I think that that just sounds so doable, right? Just having, you know, five friends that you're just, you support each other you call on each other, you check in on each other all the time. And one thing that Kale was telling me from the women in Okinawa that he met is that each morning they would they would knock on each other's door or they would call each other just to make sure each of them was still alive. And I just think that that is just so adorable. And they would do um, karaoke together while they would drink beer of all things, Um, which kind of, uh, you know, leads into the ways in which or the lessons that they chose to um, sort of highlight around food. And it's this idea of eating wisely. And they have this sense of this 80-20 rule. And um, I think the 80-20 rule speaks to, um, you know, 80% of the time you're making really good choices, 20% of the time you've got a little bit of flexibility, but also it's a rule for fullness as well. So eating to about 80% of your stomach's capacity, don't overfill yourself. Um, And they also ate their smallest meals in the late afternoon or early evening. And that was it. So they'd have a few hours before, um, you know, after their evening meal, before they they would go to bed, which we know is optimal for digestion as well. Um, They were more sort of plant focused, but certainly not most of the regions were not vegetarian except for the Seventh-day Adventist in Loma Linda. Um, and most of them also um, consumed alcohol and more commonly they're not wine. They would drink it moderately and regularly. They'd have one to two drinks and it would always be with company as well. So, you know, alcohol every day, it wouldn't be strictly a Mediterranean diet, it wouldn't be a gluten-free diet. It would, you know, they would eat foods that were um, local and seasonal and traditional to them. But that's about as much of an attachment that, that they would have on food. Yeah, well, and the one key thing that all of them were the same was, was no low or low processing. There was just yes. nothing that was processed. Um, you know, there was no processed grains. There were whole grains that they milled themselves or, you know, fermented. Um, there was a lot of fermentation in the products as well. They used fermented uh, foods in milk products, for example. Mm. And, you know, that wonderful um, scene of kale over, you know, in Africa there with him, you know, the, the gut microbiome assessing how that changes based on, you know, plant-based diet, digging around the dirt. And I think the same for all of these cultures, that they dig their own soil, they dig the dirt, they they get in there, they pull their own vegetables, they grow their own things, um, and they have a diverse microbiome, which is, uh, again, 
a reflection of adaptability, longevity. They've got lots of research to suggest that it's beneficial to human health. So, um, you know, they don't use pesticides and sprays and things like that in their their agricultural um, farming. So I think yeah, you can really see that there's some really obvious things there. You know, the things mm-hmm. we talk about all the time, like you just said, seasonal, local, um, homegrown, low processing, unprocessing, like just some really basic things. And the fact that there's no specific diet, I really loved that. They would never yeah. have heard of any of the diets we know. They would never have counted a calorie in their lifetimes. They wouldn't even know what that is. Um, they ate or, the, you know, paleo, keto, intermittent no, fasting, no. you know, none of that would mean anything. And even just the idea of, um, uh, you know, uh, adhering to a particular diet would be so foreign to them. Yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. And it's even like, almost like a comedy to think that why would Western people do that? Like, you do what? I remember when I was traveling and um, I think I have a feeling it was Thailand and I was in a rural area where just I was running and, uh, like, you know, sweating in buckets. And I remember I got back and I was I couldn't wait to grab a drink and, and have a shower. And the little old lady is downstairs, she's like, why are you exercise? Why are you running crazy? I was like, well, because, you know, fitness and strong. But don't you move every day? You know, like she was just totally blown away. She's like, you I never... You a really great little yeah. Thai accent there. But Ash, legit, I love it. She was just like, I never understand why you people, you pay for gym membership and all these things. You know, like you just move each day. No problem. Look at me. Like she's like, just giving me the, like the total talk down. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, well... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't really have an answer to that one. And she's like, ah, oh, you, you people, you're crazy. And I just remember her saying, you people, oh, man, you're I crazy. Agree. And I was like, yeah. isn't this hilarious? Though? You're right. And, and what I, I think she was like laughing at was that we sit on our butts all day long, work, 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 yeah. work, work in most industries. And then we thrash our bodies for an hour or an hour and a half at the gym, you know, three times a week. And she's just like, no, you just move all day. Well, interestingly, blue zones, exactly the same concept. They don't have six packs and bulging biceps, though they might if they are doing certain types of labor within mm. their community. And they don't run around doing marathons and burpees and, you know, CrossFit sessions and all of these things. Um, they live in a culture where movement is uh, ingrained in the part and parcel of day and day living. So whether it means yeah. they have to get out of the house and walk 400 steps to get to the next village or, or whatever it is, it's just natural for them to keep moving. So they don't live sedentary yeah. lifestyles um, and they sure as heck don't have technology to distract them and, you know, keep them in front of computers all day long. I was reading an article that the average American over the age of 65 spends seven hours a day on television. Oh, man. So when you retire over there, you basically goosebumps. sit on the couch and watch TV. And I thought, wow, that's oh. a terrible concept. We can do better than yeah. that. Um, I caught up with my 92-year-old grandmother in Sydney um, in, over the weekend. And she still lives at home. Um, she's, you know, totally independent, lives on her own um, in the house that my dad grew up in. So has been there for 60, 62 years, I think, wow. um, which is just – and it has not changed at all the entire time um, I've been alive. Even the same couch is still, which is quite amazing. Um but she was saying, so I took her out to lunch and she was saying that, 
She's so addicted to television now. All she does is she just slumps on the couch and watches TV all day, which is so unlike her. And she Mm. watches, of all things, the news all day, which I was a little bit mortified about because it's just such doom and gloom. Um, So I I bought her a whole bunch of books and told her she has to stop watching TV, but it's if she'll listen to me. Um, But you're absolutely right going back to the movement. Like they move naturally, right? Mm. They don't pump iron. They don't do those single muscle isometric workouts for aesthetics, but Mm. they live in those challenging environments that require those complex movements. And a lot of the time, because they are actually growing their own food, they naturally have to garden and move around and be so much more mobile than what we do expect as well. Um, For someone who is just doesn't really love exercise, no matter what, I really like that idea of just moving naturally. Um, And I was even listening to an interview with Kelly Slater and he has obviously, you know, he's like the best of the best when it comes to his sport. And so he's done so much research into this and probably has the best doctors and team in the world looking after him. And he totally agrees with that as well. It's like the people who are most mobile and the healthiest, they don't necessarily go to the gym and move in one particular way and they don't smash themselves and maybe they don't do CrossFit or whatever it is, but they move naturally. Mm. Um, and that just makes so much sense. Yeah, and, and we've they talked also... about it with our previous interviews, haven't we, when we were talking mm. um, to – uh, Stacey Sims about the yeah. idea that when we, we thrash our bodies and push them that far, we're actually, you know, inducing cortisol responses that breaks down smooth muscle mm-hmm. and it actually is detrimental to our development and our health. Um, and so these blue zones describe how it's, you know, simply walking or gentle stretching or gentle exercise. It's nothing too intensive. And so there's no major stress burden physiologically. Um, mm. And that's yet they're still healthy. They're mobile, they've got good aerobic capacity, they've got good joint function, yes. they've got good range of motion. So it's not like they're they're bubble wrapped, they just simply don't do things at the intensity that most of us are taught to do. Um, and they also have got like a different outlook on life, right? Mm. So they have some sort of purposeful action and whether or not that is rituals of prayer, um, yeah, the Okinawans, for example, take moments each day to remember their ancestors. And part of these rituals also help to downshift and de-stress them. Because obviously we know that with chronic stress, we're like in its most simplistic terms, chronic stress equals chronic inflammation, which is also one of the biggest contributors to every major age-related disease that's ever existed. So, um, you know, maybe there's there's rest times throughout the day. The Sardinians do happy hour, um, <laughs> which... Is hilarious. Sardinia is looking better and better as we get into this ash. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but it's same. just having some sort of ritual of, um, you know, connection, de-stressing, um, looking at some sort of higher purpose or whatever it might be. But they've also got that sense of purpose with in their community. And a lot of them call that what it is that they, why they wake up in the morning. Um, and well, there's no such thing retirement, you know, like they, yeah, because they work because they serve others and they do things for each other. And, you know, this concept of retiring doesn't actually exist because they work to an age where they physically can. And then if they can't do the exact same things, they modify and adapt their behaviors. They might become, you know, more sort of childcare roles or whatever it is to Mm. allow the community to thrive. And that includes themselves and their, their actual, um, 
their health and their body and what they're capable of. So it's not this idea of flogging yourself to a specific number and hoping you can get there. So then you can retire and, you know, rest for the next <laughs> 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And Ash, what's that saying that you have, that you talk about is, um, you know, to have like a, a meaningful life. It's someone to love, something to do. And what what is that saying? Oh, um, oh it's it's essentially, it's it's the three things. It's like um, someone to love, something to do and, and something else. And it's just essentially it ties into everything that we're talking about tonight as well. So just the biggest principles from these people who seem to be the happiest, the healthiest in old age as well. And that is having that right outlook. They eat wisely, they connect and they move naturally. Um, and that is, that is probably the easiest way to summarize, um, what they do. And Ash, I reckon all of this sounds amazing. I can feel my nervous system almost like um, I've, ex yeah. I've exhaled. Like I just was like, yeah. Oh, and the thing I love about it is it's so achievable. It's so doable. You don't need anything special. Yes. You don't need more of anything. You, it's not like you can't afford anything because all of these, these experiences occur in countries and places which are essentially very low income uh, or no income in some cases. And it just proves that the idea that we are constantly pushing for more, better, bigger, faster, maybe the opposite yeah. is true of how to live a good long life is actually this whole new um, concept that's coming around and I'm seeing it in all sorts of space is like the slow re revolution. Um, yes. There's ideas like slow postpartum, there's, there's slow living, slow cooking. Like it's just I think there's an encouragement to just slow down. Um, to slow yeah. down, to experience, to de-stress, to be conscious and mindful about how we eat, where we go, who we spend our time with. Um, I'm also you know, a big believer of, it. they always say your vibe attracts your tribe, but I also think your tribe yeah. creates your vibe. So, you know, be really conscious about who you spend your time around and uh, let them support you on your journey towards, you know, 100 not out, like this whole idea that you're going to yes. live well to 100, happily, yes. healthily, um, because I know like everyone else listening, you guys, you don't want to like say, cool, I get to live to a hundred, but for the last five years, my brain doesn't work or my body doesn't work, or I don't even know mm. I'm here because I'm in this vegetative, you know, la la land because my mind is no longer cohesive. Like I think yeah, I'd rather, I've always said that my favorite concept of life would be like a candle burning really bright. And then one day you just go out, you know, not this yeah. simmer, yeah. sawned, like kind of smoulder down into nothingness. I, I think it's just such a lovely idea to live big and strong and happy and healthy. And then one day you just don't. And, um, you know, in the Okay, rise so I've rise. got an idea. <laughs> Let's just make our own blue zone. Yes. Uh, so, Ash, we'll... We'll buy we'll buy little properties next to each other, and we'll have this big communal farm like in the middle. Um, yeah. And you know, you can be happy with all your kiddos running around. I'll have the dogs You've got and all the we'll fair babies and all the little pets. Yeah, all sorts of creatures, <laughs> creatures in general, because they do say remember immune system, having lots of lots yes. of siblings and having lots of animals around you. So good for immune. I love um, it. Sounds and then good. we'll all just you know, we'll I'll learn to make wine and we'll all just live happily ever after. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, this is sounding awesome. So Sounds amazing. Ways, yeah, I think, you know, aspire to the blue zone lifestyle. Um, whether or not, as, as factual as it is, whether or not these people are living to 120, 135, one person claimed, I'm like, oh, maybe not. But um, I think if you can say that you've lived to 100 and you've lived good and lived well and served others and loved well and had faith and eaten well and contributed to, you know, the improvement and the environment and the landscape you live in, it's a pretty good, pretty good end game there. <laughs> Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. So, ladies, we hope that this has inspired you to adopt some of the, I guess, lessons from the Blue Zones as well. Um, and I really love the idea of just not pumping iron, even though I can't really um, <laughs> I can't really commit to that just yet. But anyway, um, so, ladies, you've been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, slow down and be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.